Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. This Easter, we've created a documentary about the transformation happening in Sierra Leone. Whitewater has been involved in this West African country for the past few years, and we're excited to share this story with everyone. For this special service, we encourage you to watch with us on YouTube or join us on Facebook Live if you can. We're glad you're with us this week, and thanks for listening.
Happy Easter! If you're looking for ways to connect, like our social media or message us, or email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Easter is a special day. We celebrate with millions of people around the world. I'm going to read a portion of the Easter story from Luke 24, 1 through 10. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Today we're going to be telling about God's resurrection power in Sierra Leone. While this is not a traditional Easter story, we feel this is a transformative story for our current world that shows how God can and does resurrect individuals and communities. We hope you are inspired by the story of hope. As we journey to Sierra Leone, we are going to see a story that follows the Jesus story, a story that moves through great darkness and death into life and resurrection. Like a jewel set on the coast of West Africa lies the country of Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone is a country of contrast. It is both a place of natural beauty and ecological devastation. A rich and joyful culture, also carrying deep wounds. It has a culture of diversity and tolerance, but also a culture of political and social disparity. It is a fertile and self-sustaining land full of natural resources. A land where exploitation has found a fertile ground to create poverty, lack of education, disease, spiritual brokenness, and self-serving leadership. In the middle of the country's hardship, hope is welling up in unlikely places through godly peacemakers. Jesus is at work in the country of Sierra Leone. To see and understand this, you must take a journey into the past. Thailand has always been uh, the country with a face for tourism, welcoming strangers. Sometimes I, I say to people, we seem to welcome strangers more warmly than we do ourselves. Well, generally, you would say the country was uh, largely peaceful on the surface because uh, the war that followed definitely tells us that uh, something was simmering underneath. In the 1980s, due to rising anger from civilians and a ruling class that was only getting wealthier, the country was thrown into a deep unrest. Our culture is rich, so there was a lot for people to come to. And relationships were not bad, but they gradually developed internal tensions which erupted or which boiled over into the war. Natural resources of Sierra Leone were in contention as outsiders began to tap the rich alluvial diamonds that are easily accessible in the country. 
As the diamonds were being mined by the Sierra Leoneans, the profits were going to private investors. As the disparity increased, so did the anger and confusion. The diamond is very, very valuable. It's a very, very valuable and, and, and commodity resource. And probably some people felt they were not having access to the national cake. That was how they, they, they were able to fund the war and commit many atrocities because they had resources to keep the war going. And that's why they call them blood diamonds, even though those stones have no blood in them. In 1991, the Revolutionary United Front, or RUF, was created, and these rebel forces sought to overthrow the current Leonian government. Tensions grew, as some of the people believed that their own government was exploiting their hard work and not representing them equally. This sparked a decade-long civil war. All of a sudden, I heard the sound of these fighter jets. And the next minute I had, I had this big sound of a bomb and a fighter jet that dropped. I mean, that was so scary. The rebel forces moved from town to town, blaming civilians for the government's corruption. Some of the things that happened during the war, slicing off of limbs and killing people, relations being killed in front of fathers, mothers being murdered in front of their children. Uh, houses being filled with um, uh, people, locked up, and then set alight. How does a family actually get over that memory or that reality? I think that's a very, very tough one because the emotional scars, the social issues, uh, I think they are, they, they are imprinted indelibly in, in, in your heart and in your mind. Well, something like half a century taken out of uh, the lifetime of this country. Spanning from 1991 to 2002, this nationwide war left Sierra Leone crippled, heavily divided, and bleeding as a nation. The war also took a devastating toll on the country's future health and development. If a child loses 10 years of education, what is there for, it, for her to what to do beyond that? If uh, as a man you lose 10 years of your life, I mean, how are you going to catch up with that, with the pace of technology and development and improvement? So I, I wonder how, whether we can actually account for the impact of the war and how we, we have tried to, you know, overcome that. In 2014, Sierra Leone was on a path to rebuilding and peace, but they were soon met with an invisible enemy without conscience. The outbreak of Ebola in West Africa has claimed nearly 5,000 lives. Now, Beginning in the bordering country of Guinea, Ebola spread through West Africa. From 2014 to 2016, approximately 28,000 cases of Ebola and 11,000 deaths were recorded. It is also suspected that these numbers are far lower than reality due to lack of accurate reporting in the region. Ebola has left uh an emotional scar, which I would put at par with what the war did. Because uh, many people still believe that Ebola was not accidental. Yeah, so that alone plays into the equation and uh, it makes people feel sad. 
Controlling the outbreak became difficult because people started believing that the crisis was created by Western countries. Others had a deep-rooted distrust of the government due to residual feelings left over after the war. I think the Ebola was more devastating and even more scary than even the war. You know, for the war, you know the enemies that are coming against you. But the Ebola is an invisible enemy. You know, to the point that even in the church, we could not trust each other. I mean, we have to factually separate the chairs and put a huge gap between each chair. You know, because when people come, they can't touch each other, we can't shake hands. A lot of doctors died. Over 100 nurses died. Over 4,000 people died within that particular period of Ebola. I mean, in fact, it was so depressing listening to the radio. Most of the time, we would hear of 20, 30, 50 people getting infected on a daily basis nationwide. That will be reported. And out of that, you would hear of 20 or 25 people dead every day. Nearly 20% of all Ebola cases occurred in children under 15 years old. And it is estimated that more than 17,000 children have been orphaned because of Ebola. This is having a decades-long impact to the country's economy and ability to grow. During the Ebola crisis, it was no longer one side against another, but a distrust of family and friends. You know, you meet somebody on the street, healthy, is infected. You know, and by the time you shake hands or you interact with that individual, you have got it. To, 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 to an extent that even my own wife, I could not trust. And my wife could not trust me because by the time we leave our houses, we go and we interact with different people. So there's, there was always that fear. And sometimes for every little symptoms you feel, the next thing that comes to your mind is perhaps you're going to be caught it. During the darkness of the pandemic, a spiritual hunger began stirring in the culture. The only good thing is Ebola made all our churches in the city and all over the nation to grow naturally. Because people used to flood into the churches because that was the only hope that they had. When they listen to the radio, all they hear is the amount of people that have been infected and the amount of people dead. You know, so people were carrying in their minds the spirit of fear of death, you know, the spirit of fear of catching Ebola. So just that psychological effect you know, drew some people towards Ebola is now over. And as the nation attempts to rebuild, one of the major factors has been the church. But the church has always played a very vital and major role in, in this country. When it comes to education, the church accounts for more schools. The churches have built more schools in this country than any other institution. You know, even when it comes to healthcare, the church has been there to provide you know, good hospitals, you know, good health clinics. Our journey led us to pastors and churches who are models of partnership for the renewal and transformation of individuals and their communities. One of those model pastors is Patrick. Patrick and his church have created a K-12 school to address illiteracy. 
His school is one of the few that has a computer lab to empower the next generation in technology to prepare them for the global world. While many Sierra Leoneans leave their communities to escape poverty, Patrick's vision is helping people complete their education and return to rebuild their community. Pastor Patrick's ministry is a bright spot in the rebuilding of his community and country. Over the years, I have taught our church that you are blessed to be a blessing. Okay, so whatever you do, you have to remember that. You have to bless people. My heart desires to see how we, the church, will go out in our community and preach Christ. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. But also, for us to contribute to nation building. My dream is by 2023, we'll have acquired the land. Then we'll have a master plan of how the city will look like. For that city will have a hospital, we'll have a conference center, we'll have a church, of course. We'll have a secondary school, we'll have a maybe a shopping mall or something, shop. Just, just have a model of how a community should be like. So the little we have, bring it before the Lord, the Lord blesses it, and see what we've done with the resources that we have. So also there must be a change in their thinking. Not to think that, oh, they're waiting for somebody to come do it, they're waiting for somebody to come give them money. The little that you have, you can still start. My dream is to see transformation, first of all in the church, that our churches become healthy, our pastors and our leaders become healthy, which will now empower us as Christians to be able to take the message of peace to our communities. We all will begin to see the opportunities that are out there in our communities and see how we can step in you know, and complement the effort of the government to bring about change and transformation, to reduce poverty, you know, to reduce illiteracy, and of course, to provide and model the kind of servant leadership that even government leaders, you know, will look at, you know, and want to learn from. Two years ago, we began a partnership with pastors and civic leaders in Sierra Leone. Our goal has been to learn together how to catalyze personal and community renewal in a Jesus-centered way. The journey with our brothers and sisters of Sierra Leone has been filled with mutual learning, friendship, and transformation. It has anchored our heart more deeply to the global family of Jesus, a mosaic family unified in its diversity. If we could transform the way we think about our community, the way we think about church, the way we think about partnership, um, that's when we can start changing the behaviors and changing the, the way we operate. And so the church's role is to support their people from Monday to through Saturday. That shift of thinking, not just thinking about the gathering and bringing people to us, but we're sending our people as teachers and business leaders and nonprofit leaders and and moms and dads into our communities. It just, there was a real resonance with that. Where it's easy to see darkness and death, resurrection is happening. People and communities are being brought back to life. God is at work in Sierra Leone. And God is at work in your world, your community, your life. Whether you are aware of it or not, 
You are blessed to be a blessing. God wants to use your life to bless others. How has God shaped you and called you to renew and rebuild your community and your world? When you look out at your world, do you only see darkness? Or can you see the bright spots? Do you only see death? Or can you see resurrection? Who are the partners placed in your path to work together arm in arm to rebuild your community? What lessons can we learn from our brothers and sisters in Sierra Leone to help you bless your world? Our world needs healing, and Jesus is making all things new. How will you join in? God is working through the people of Sierra Leone who have faced and continue to face bigger giants than many of us have ever faced. God can and will work through your life in the same way if you let him. The church is a slumbering giant. What will happen when we realize the potential reservoir of blessing, callings, professions that God wants to release to heal our world? At Whitewater, we believe you can belong before you believe. That means you can explore faith before you have faith in Jesus with no judgment. We also believe that you can bless before you belong or believe. You might not have the same convictions about Jesus as we do, but you might align with our compassion for the people Jesus cares about. I want to invite you to participate in at least one action step today. Here are four action steps you can take. Number one, bless. What area of blessing is God calling you to renew and rebuild in your world? Step two, bless with. Who are the partners that God has put around you in your life that you can work with to rebuild your community? Step three, believe. Will you trust Jesus to renew and rebuild your life personally? Step four, give. Give toward local and global transformation efforts. You can simply do that by going to our website and choosing our local and global line items. There are so many lessons that we can learn from our brothers and sisters in Sierra Leone. As we look to the rebuilding of our communities, God is already at work. Can you see him? And will you join in?
Your heart. 